So the big question is this, how do you take $42,000 in assets in a one Trackman Bay facility in the back of a CrossFit gym and turn it into a 12 bay, 17,000 square foot training facility in just a few years? That's the question and this is the podcast that's gonna give you the answer. Welcome to Inside the Room on Stockshot Secrets. All right, everybody, Uh, we are here at what we're going to call, I think we should call this the Stock Shot Studio. As you can tell, the quality of this is better because I figured I probably shouldn't be doing podcasts in my car because that's probably not safe. But we have a really great series that we're going to start. This is going to be called Inside the Room, where we're going to kind of take a deep dive into TGR, just the people that make up TGR, the instructors, like maybe operations, marketing, sales. Um, And today we basically have almost, you could almost say like you're a founder of TGR, like one of the founding principles, because you've been with me forever from COVID to us having to deal with COVID, which might have ended with too many bottles of Elijah Craig um, to try to to get through that whole situation, which was miserable. But it's with my uh, great pleasure to basically introduce you to Mitch Fair, one of my best buddies, teammates in crime, amazing player Mitch um, just to give a quick backstory which he can kind of go into but um, Mitch was a caddied on tour for maybe about a year or so played professional golf won a national championship at Nova Southeastern an incredible golfer in himself probably the best short game this side of the Mississippi Um, and just the dude can basically talk to a cat so because there's I don't know if there's anybody in the world that doesn't love Mitch Fair so Mitch thanks for being here buddy Pleasure to be here, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit, just to kind of give a little backstory just on you. I mean, obviously growing up in England, mm-hmm. right, golf is way different. So like, just tell us a little bit about your backstory with starting golf in England and why not soccer and like, <laughs> why not rugby or maybe that was part of the journey. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, you know, I played every sport growing up as every kid does and um my best friend when I was about 12 years of age he just uh, was an amazing player he played with Rory and Tommy Fleetwood and I would go over to his house and instead of playing video games it was like hey I've got to practice so then as a non-golfer I'm like oh can I come so I did and he like helped me you know learn to start and I was actually very good at the other sports uh, according to my mom obviously I, I think I was too but um golf was the one that just really like lit the fire inside of me I was obsessed with the details and the lifestyle the traveling the courses or the people you could meet uh, more importantly the game and just there's no surprise that I'm teaching now because I'm just obsessed with learning about golf even now uh, after all those years so um yeah that's really the backstory and just you know Kept playing the and other sports. you got to sports. play with Fleetwood a lot when you were a kid, right? I played with him once, I think. I mean, I was probably 12. It was one of my first rounds. Um, so I don't know him, but he's still friendly with my friend who I haven't caught uh, up with in a while just because it's been so long. But um, yeah. And that's one of the tough things about living in the States. Obviously, you grow up with people, you don't see them for 15 years. It's tough to stay in contact. But if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here and... Uh, Definitely wouldn't have had the life that I've had. So. so then you, so then you come across the pond, right? You start mm-hmm. going to college. First time in America was at college was like basically the time you started. You stepped onto campus the first time you had been over here. No, I'd, I'd visited with parents, and then also got picked for this um, this trip, which was like the best uh, school golfers in England. You had to win a tournament, and then you got selected. And there was twelve <laughs> guys, and we started in Savannah and played. 
22 rounds in 23 days oh my gosh. against other kids that were going to go to college like Arkansas or Maryland or like not top top players but very high level compared to what I was used to and was I just like was before like, the Walker Cup kind of mm-hmm. the but a similar kind of well it was it's a traditional <laughs> trip it's not a cent- it's not like a, you're playing for England it was like it, the trip had been going for a hundred years and it was kind of whoever had been on the trip prior got it they were members at Pine Valley we played there oh, uh, congressional um bolters role and just got to play of all like the best juniors in in that east coast area and it was awesome because it just made me realize like this is what i want to do so we would stay in some dorms some host (laughs) families you know how that goes right and they were there's some of them are friends to this day so as soon as i did that trip i was like i've got to get out of england and go there as much as i love it at home right right so then you go to so then you go to nova southeastern so tell us a little bit about that that journey like going over here to school probably kind of hard to choose a college Mm because i mean if i was trying to choose a university in europe to go to i was like um yeah cambridge that's the only one i know yeah i mean so so yeah so how did how did how was the whole journey with nova southeastern yeah i mean i was getting recruited by some other schools and you know let's say bigger names ones i'd heard of um you know, when you're from England, they don't know how tried and tested you are on courses over here. Um, you know, it's tough to get a bigger scholarship unless you're one of the top five players in the country right. or top 10, let's say. So a friend of mine went to Nova Southeastern, a member at my club, and he had improved so much. He came home and won every tournament. And then I visited him like one December and I was like, this place is awesome. So then the coach started to follow me, watch me play. And then I found out my best friend now, Ben Taylor, was going too. And I was like, now there's three of us, like really close friends on the same team in South Florida. Uh, what could be better? And we had this trip lined up with my mom to go visit all these schools. And uh, the first trip was to Nova. And I just didn't even bother going to the other schools. I just was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going here. Absolutely. So, so, so you come over here, you go to Nova Southeastern, you win mm-hmm. a national championship, which is probably worth a bunch of stories in itself. Um and then you, after you do that, so then you kind of, you, was that was it that when you went over to Asia? Yeah, yeah. I was looking to go and, and play over there for a long period of time and do some coaching just so I could kind of support myself. And Were you going to coach or were you going to play? Play. Play. Uh, and do some coaching just to like make a living because <laughs> right. I, had, I had some money and, um, you know, obviously it runs out quick, <laughs> as you know. So, um, and just living Bank, over there can go brutal. can go can go south in a hurry when they're fifteen hundred dollar entry fees and for not sure. making enough birdies. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go into China too much, but if if you hook a ball in the trees, like you're looking at, let alone finding your ball, you're looking at seeing a king cobra. So it's <laughs> right. not the best place to live. Right. And um, everyone that was playing over there was um, commuting, like from the states and from England. Oh, I'm like, man. how the hell do you guys do this? It's yeah. like a two thousand dollar flight every right. time. And I was living over there, and it was short. And it wasn't that long, but it was it was a good experience. I was just immature, and then, uh, um, yeah, it was it was one of those things where I don't regret it, but at the same time, it wasn't easy. So sure. And then from there, is that when you went to Switzerland, or was that when you came back to and kind of? Yeah, I was waiting on. I was still playing a bit in England, and just or kind you, of deciding when, when did what you, I wanted when did to you, do. Because one of your mentors is David Ledbetter, and mm-hmm. for those that don't know David Ledbetter, I mean, David's probably. I would say that David, you could probably say um, the reason that I'm here doing a podcast is because David Ledbetter put teaching pros or golf instructors like on the map as a, I don't know what the word would be, but like a profession where it's 
there is a I guess a personality behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of the 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 founding principle of making golf instruction a business in a yeah. sense, rather than just uh, you know, Chubbs and Happy Gilmore with his arms crossed saying mm-hmm. it's all on your hips. Yeah, I mean, David was, I mean, I met him when I was 15, so he ran a tournament in England um, that I won a couple years in a row, and he just took me under his wing. I don't I don't really know why he didn't need to. He's just such a giving, great human being that loves to give back and literally wouldn't be anywhere where I am in life now without him. So, you know, when I was stopped playing, he'd, he'd felt not sorry for me, but it was like, hey, what, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I'd love to keep playing, but obviously the money side is tough. Like, you just... Unless you've got uh, backers and, you know, that lifestyle, even after caddying is brutal, as you right. know. Great fun as well at the same time. But um, he was like, listen, I want to I wanna bring you over and work uh, for me, but I had to wait to get my U.S. Uh, work visa. So at the time, I was just living in Switzerland working for uh, TPT Golf, which the company's done fantastic now with the shafts. Yep. Uh, that was probably for six months and then got my visa in about uh, August or September and started to work for him and and what was insane about that was most coaches i mean they start at the bottom like you're given beginners you're given anyone (laughs) and i was going straight to the pga tour like on the ranges filming shadowing working with billionaires like people that were famous so it would kind of be would your lesson with mitch or with uh david be he would be working with, say, you know, Charles Howe or something, and or maybe it's a golf school and it's David working, and then he would work with the player, mm-hmm. and then essentially kind of pass them off and say, okay, Mitch, like make sure they they stay on thing, and then he works yeah. with the next guy, and then yeah. you're you're kind of his, we'll call it a lead assistant of just making sure that the student stays on on task. Exactly. So you're doing all the filming, <laughs> all the tech, um, if there's any data capture, and then if it's a clinic, it's. You, uh, David's leading, obviously, but I'm just making sure they're doing uh, exactly what. And we who were some of those? You know, it's always fun to kind of work with PGA Tour players. Mm-hmm. Like, who were some of those people that you were around with early, working with earlier in your career? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lydia Ko was a big one. She was world number one at the time, which was pretty awesome. Um, Michelle Wee, uh, she was coming a little bit like uh, her career was slowly uh, slowing down. I would say. Yeah. Um, Trevor Rimmelman, Ian Poulter, uh, Ollie Wilson, who's on the European tour. Um, God, I can't even remember half of them, but there was a lot of guys. And some guys, it's interesting, like some guys would just come in once a year for an opinion. Yeah. And he would, you know, whether he would say, I'm working with that person or not. I mean, he would, but it was just in a... Getting a second, second yeah, eyes. kind of that. Or just, yeah. hey, some players just wanted once a year and that was it. And then he would do videos and text them back and stuff. So... You know, when that sort of December rolled around, we really picked up with a lot of guys coming in for off season, and it was it was very cool to learn like how he, um, you know, assessed. I mean, for the first, if we did a three day session with like say Lydia after a season, you know, it was like, hey, like the, the three hours of talking, you know, yeah, what's going on? Like, I need to know everything, um, and just analyzing her game like crazy and. Um, <laughs> It was really cool to see. I think he gets definitely misconstrued half the time, but when you've been given like the blessing I have to actually see what goes on yeah, behind closed doors, sure. it's pretty cool. So now, so you've gone to Nova Southeastern, you've been in China, mm-hmm. in Asia, you've been in Switzerland building shafts, the TBT, and helping <laughs> design those things. Yeah. Then you come back, you're working for 
the number one instructor in the world being his first assistant for what seven years or so yeah, probably four or five but four or five I years ch- right? i shadowed when i was playing and visiting him like for christmas i stayed with him and stuff so i was always <laughs> around him teaching i right. just still had a goal to play obviously and then i think you so then when when you had applied to tgr mm-hmm. i remember seeing your resume and saying okay like this is a really really unique story like you know, I'm I'm pretty passionate in the fact of like I want players that teachers that know how to play and like you know, whether you know nothing against the PGA of America, but if it's a PGA guy, great. But it's more of like, hey, can you coach? What's your history? How much of a playing do you you do? So I remember when when I called Mitch, when I called you, we essentially I think your interview was well, the interview questions might have been 15 minutes, but we just basically sat on the phone for an hour and mm-hmm. just you know shot the breeze for an hour i was like oh my gosh i love this guy i gotta get him up here so then he comes up your interview <laughs> your interview there's i think there's like that might have been the most snow we've ever Since had in i've lived here for sure yeah so he comes yeah. up from florida um thinking why am i moving to columbus ohio there's mm-hmm. 18 inches of snow but that night you stayed over till like i don't know to like two in the morning, mm-hmm. right? And we were just hanging out at the house, which was great. Hey guys, I hope you are enjoying this episode of the Stock Shot Secrets Podcast. If you are enjoying it, be sure to like this episode, be sure to subscribe so you can always see when they're coming out. And most importantly, if you would be so kind to be able to share this podcast with other passionate golfers who are trying to get better and build stock shots because it grows through you sharing it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now back to Stock Shot Secrets. Um, so now fast forwarding, there's obviously a lot of stuff happening in TGR since we grew but now kind of circling back to this whole pga tour thing <clears throat> one of your best buddies is ben taylor so mm-hmm. you're with ben at nova southeastern yeah um and you know since basically you caddied for ben in what major was it uh the british open right so, so. how was that how was caddying for him as a because obviously he's your best buddy and you're yeah. going out and you're looping him for looping for him for a year or half a year or whatever but what was there any cool stories with the british open and caddying, caddying there um yeah or like, what was it like and what were, where was that what, what course was Andrews, that? oh uh, my gosh bliss honestly um he didn't play that well but the the draw he got he teed off at 4 p.m it was uh oh, wow. i went and walked the course in the morning and on 12 <laughs> uh dustin johnson drove the 440 yard par four which i just laughed it was downwind and then ben hit four iron in in the at, at late at night so i was just like hmm that's a different course so you know when yeah. like the guys complain about the draw like i get it because yeah. it does play so different right so especially links you want you want and that it, so it, it will it like switches midday yeah and it gets cold you know scotland in july i mean it was 39 <laughs> degrees we've got a picture of us with like eight waterproofs on it's hilarious and it's yeah. like nice summer but right. that's links golf it was so fun i mean we met Phil Mickelson, did a practice round um, with, I think, Stenson and Webb Simpson, which was cool. And we were 22 at the time, so I'd caddied for him loads. He caddied for me in a couple of events, uh, and it just was hilarious because I'm like, this guy could win the tournament, you know, I got him on my bag. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Ben um, is like, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting Ben a bunch, and he's like one of the greatest human beings there mm-hmm. is, like yeah. super down to earth and amazing. So now, fast forward, fast forward, I guess, almost a decade, right? And... Um, it really, he kind of pulls you in to say, Hey, can you actually be my mentor, not mentor, but my coach mm-hmm. and really lead me to where he was? Cause he was kind of struggling a little bit on the corn Ferry tour. And mm-hmm. in the last year or two, he's had some amazing progress. So what's it, I guess, first off, what are the main differences you find with working with players like, like Ben Taylor, who's on the PGA tour and you're going to PGA tour events and then working with, you know, the amateur golfers that are in, you know, in, 
in Columbus, Ohio, or flying in, or like, how is the how is because I feel like working with them, it's 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 a different thing. Yeah. Right. How do you, you find that? You have to be a psychologist <laughs> to some extent because you've got to know like when they're open to hear like um, some information, or they need a, a pick me up, or a, a motivational talk, or what the hell was you doing on that hole? Like, and sometimes you know players are very egotistical and confident in themselves, which they should be. But you need to read the room and read the situation to know when you can input that stuff. And I think amateur golfers are coming to us, paying us, and they're almost like, okay, tell me what I need to do, and hopefully they do it. But um, it's different. And um, I think coaching elite players is um, you just got to find – that uh, those little one percent gains that they can right. make because obviously you're really trying to just save like a tenth I mean, of they a shoot shot seventy point two and that's a bad year like it's right. crazy so yeah. um, you know with swing stuff obviously I've known Ben for so long I've known when he's played his best golf some of his bad golf and I've always been there so I know I think I've been able to over the years be part of the team and translate it in let's call it Ben language which yeah. is you know I think valuable skill as a coach. Um, and some teachers who are so good are really smart, but sometimes like that might not suit the individual. So yeah. um, you've got to really know like what someone wants and and then what they need. You know. Yeah. And how do you so. kind of take that? So like in that same mindset, taking that onto the lesson T of TGR, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are some of? Um, I guess it'd be cool. Like, as a coach, you know, do, is there anybody that comes to mind that's like, hey, there was this student, and like, here's some of the transformation that they've taken taken from you know, joining and kind of jumping in. And because a lot of times, you know, some players have lessons. Sometimes they don't have lessons. You know, sometimes lessons are terrifying because they're like, it's going to feel different. And it's mm-hmm. like, we want you to feel different. The more different, the better. Yeah. Right. So any any students come to mind of like, hey, here's a really cool success story, kind of like Ben. Because Ben's, Ben's, I mean, he's just came off for the year, you know, the last year and a half or so. He's been playing the best golf of his life, really. Thanks, sure. Not thanks to you, but I mean, in yeah. large part to what you've been doing with him. So what mm-hmm. about just on the amateur tee? Yeah, I think since moving here, and this is not like a wow, look at this story. I think my stories have changed because you've gone from one area of the game to now um, like almost nurturing people. So like a cool story for me the other day was like I taught Bree how to hold a club and she's getting calls from college coaches. And obviously (laughs) she's been part of our academy. But when I worked at the Ledbetter, like people flew in for lessons, you know, they came to see us once or twice a year. You gave them three days, they left, you stayed in touch a little bit, but you never got to create like a personal connection, like with their family or their brother (laughs) or whatever it may be. And, and although that's not like a, Oh wow. Like I've taken loads of guys from 18 to like below five. Like that doesn't really make me that happy. I'm happy for them. But seeing someone that's young and like doesn't have a ton of confidence and now like yeah. believes in themselves, yeah. walks around differently, that for me is like more. Which fulfilling. I think is, I think for what you're echoing, which is so amazing, is that's really the essence as to why I do like what I'm what I'm doing and what TGR is about. Is I actually got in a in a dialogue with my um, online instructors at the Golf Room Everywhere the other like this about two weeks ago, and I go, hey poll question do you guys think that what first off what do you think is the difference between instructors and a coach Mm -hmm. and they kind of go back and forth and i'm like we are not in the business of being instructors Mm -hmm. in my opinion an a swing instructor is a guy who looks at your swing and is like hey you get the shaft shallow and blah 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 and it's like yeah like that's fun and like i listen i love nerding out on golf swings more than anybody right just like you do but i think it's for me it's really golf has called us into 
Um, it's the vessel in which or the conduit in which we're investing into their lives to help them become like them, their best version, like really fulfill their unique self. So to the students like Bree, when you see the transformation of these people like year after year to where they come in, for example, and they've got sh- sh- shy shoulders and they can't really ever say anything positive about themselves in the realm of golf. And then they get to a point after a year or two and you're like, they're like, yeah, you're like, you're good at golf. And they're like, yeah, I am good. You're like, yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's amazing because really you're seeing it. like their character and their heart change, mm-hmm. which is so impactful for, you know, us as like essentially creating disciples, like so that they're be, they're fulfilling their calling and they're, they're um, nurturing themselves, which is a really, really cool. So yeah. um, what about just, you know, in regards to the technology, mm-hmm. right, really quick, I want to kind of dive into this for a sec. Um, in regards to the technology of TGR and just how it's changed, right, because you and I are in a different generation to where the, the coaches that are coming up now, it's kind of like they just know TrackMan. When you look at like David Ledbetter and my mentor, Mike Bender, like there was no technology. It was like a camera. And before that, it was just your eyeballs. Mm -hmm. So how is it that you're using technology nowadays as a coach to really see into what the players need to be doing? Whether it's Ben or it's just, you know, maybe even better, probably the recreational player, quite frankly. Yeah, I think it's so important because you can get seduced by technology, I would say. And it's so important for a teacher to use it for our analysis, but then you have to put it across simply for the student. And it's different. Um, you know, it depends on person to person. You may have a tour player, one of my great friends, who won't mind me saying this if, if he ever hears it. <laughs> He's so analytical. So that guy is going to not listen to you unless you explain it. And he can tell 1% if you're, you know, watting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so to him, you have to give him the data. Yeah. And I was kind of like that. I'm sure you were too. Yeah. Like to some I need extent. to know the why. But then sometimes you've got people that, do not need to hear it. You know, for instance, I was teaching Mini Tiger last night, Jackson. Right. We put his putting Dude's straight. absolutely incredible. I mean, I'll post a video. It's incredible. Yeah. One of the most talented kids I've ever seen. But he putts amazing. So we put his um, stuff on Capto, and I said to Pete, like, do not show him. Like, I want to see this. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. sit down, maybe talk yep. about it. You just like, want it as, like, this is the standard of beauty. And and to some extent, it's yeah. like, what's so nice about Sportsbox is I'll be at an event with Ben and film him on the 12th at Muirfield Village, and now I've got uh, data when he was playing good, yeah. and I know where his swing was on all the ranges, and then when he's bad. And then as a coach, it helps us kind of find that. Sometimes, spot, the, sometimes really. I think the amateur golfer kind of forgets that too, of like, what were you... They're like, I'm gonna get a lesson when it's when I'm hitting it bad. It's like actually sometimes when you're like hitting it great, yeah. you need to come in and have a coach or have your coach because I really think that and we believe this, right? Like everyone has a coach and I have like if someone said, Kyle, who's your coach? I go, My coach is Mike Bender. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I might I'm gonna go down to Florida in a month and a half. I think I'm gonna go get a lesson. Like yeah. just cause. Right. Cause I haven't, you know, it's good to do once or twice a year if I'm going down there. But it's nice to have those baselines when you're playing good to say, oh, like I know what I'm now. I know what I'm doing when I'm playing good. Exactly. Right? Like these are the things where your numbers are, where all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, listen, I mean, golf is a hobby, right? It's it's fun. So sure. don't ever lose that passion for it because it's cool to learn what's coming out. And but also you have to analyze and like kind of sit back and go, well, is this really making me better? You yeah. Know? And just, you know, final question of just for the amateur golfers right that are listening or whoever is listening or just passionate players what do you find personally between your students the ones um that really make strides like what are the things that those players are doing that Mm -hmm. amateur players doing that the other amateur players aren't doing right like 
how are they getting the biggest return on investment for their time spent with you? Yeah, what's interesting, I think we've obviously got such a great facility. The people that practice the most uh, aren't always the ones that succeed. It's the quality of practice. I yeah. mean, you must be bored of listening to me across the room. <laughs> you know, do your slow motion swings. That's what like Ben Hogan did. He's decent swing, you know. Um, but <laughs> right. just do those, commit to it. You don't need 50 thoughts. Stop going online, you know. Stick to your plan. We've all been there where we're like, oh, there must be an easier way. Let me like watch yeah. a video. Oh, my impact's wrong. Yeah, there's five things before that that right. are wrong. So sticking to that plan. And I played my, I know you probably did too, my best golf when I worked on the same thing for a year. Yep. Like you don't, it might come across in and a different way. there's a lot of beauty way. in that because course, it's like, it's man, like if I'm playing peace. bad, it's like I just need to go back and do my thing. And it's peace of mind right. because that's what we always say. Like you, is just your, your stuff is your stuff, right? And you have your drill of drills. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, Mitch, bro, thanks so much for coming. I love you pleasure. to death. You're the best. Thanks for part, being a part of TGR. Yeah, pleasure. So, all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of Stock Shot Secrets. Now, as a listener of Stock Shot Secrets, I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to get better. So if you were to go to StockShotClub.com, I'm going to give you seven days free access where you can send us your video and we will give you personalized individual attention as to what you need to do so that you can start building stock shots. So just go to StockShotClub.com and register there. We'll give you seven days free where you can try it. And then if we like it, you can stay inside the Stock Shot Club where we can become your coach and walk with you for your entire journey. Thank you so much and be sure to go visit StockShotClub.com.